back to another episode here of the Gold Coast Titans Front One Podcast, where it's myself, BK Sport, and Clarky's Rugby League column. We speak all things Gold Coast Titans, from the men's game to the women's game, the Host Plus Cup, and everything going on around our Gold Coast Titans community. We do our best here to create a bit of positivity, you know, keep the uh, keep the fire cracking, you know, keep it uh, going through the tough times, even though, you know, we've never really had something to really kind of keep us going. We just find a way to keep us going, and it's always through the community, because we just want everyone to enjoy their time watching the footy, watching our city of the Gold Coast being put out there across the country. But like I said, my name is Blaze from Big House Sport, and I'm also here with Dane from Clark's Rubber League. Colin, how are we doing, champion? G'day, players and listeners. And, and you're right, we've never really... We've had a few seasons, um, most recently when we... I believe it was the 2021 season when we knew we were going to the finals there against the Roosters. We gave that a red-hot crack, but... Yeah, it's just about holding the faith. Like, you look at the Warriors and the buzz around them at the moment. They're the only club that hasn't won a premiership yet. Um, and the way their community is really behind them and they're so excited, there's an air of excitement around everything they do right now. Um, that, that'll that be our turn in the future. In regards to that, man, like, there's also Newcastle right now. Newcastle have had a really tough 20 years since, obviously, Andrew Johns was around. As you said, the Warriors were there. You know, and, you just, and last year we had the North Queensland folk, the uh, Townsville, getting around the Cowboys and whatnot. And you go back to 2016 with the Sharkies, who had 50, 49 years without a premiership. And then you just saw that vibe around Cronulla. And, you know, you just always are hoping that one day it's going to be us. And I know the Gold Coast will light up like no other. Like, truly, I know this place will light up like no other when we do finally get that opportunity because we've never had any success in any sport on the Gold Coast. So, you know, It's just about kind of visioning and visioning ourselves in that moment because hopefully, you know, Desi Hassel is coming in. I tell you every week, mate, Desi Hassel special. I've already ordered the Desi special. It's coming. So, yeah, look, we're just going to keep cracking on. But, yeah, the vibe around Newcastle and uh, New Zealand right now is something that we just want to aim to achieve. Yeah, it's not going to come this year, Titans fans. We know that. But, you know, the tough times don't last. The tough fans do. And once we do hit that peak of success or we get back into the finals and then there's that air and that buzz and that excitement, there's going to be so many new Titans fans that are going to come on board. And I can't wait to welcome them all. I personally dislike how other uh, clubs' fan bases kind of gatekeep being a real supporter or you're a bandwagoner and stuff. If you're a Titans fan, you're a Titans fan. We want all the support we can get. We love all the support for our club. And uh, that pretty much ties us really well into our news segment because we've only got one bit of news, and that is that this round is Members Appreciation Round. Straight from the Titans website, it's about acknowledging the tremendous support the Gold Coast have shown to their club through the season. Uh, It's a record season for us in terms of membership, up over 13,000. And we've had really good crowds for a lot of this year. Um, I remember going to a Monday night game against the Storm in the 2010s, and I think we had about 3,000 there. Um, we're up over like 10,000 every game this year. It, it's awesome to see. Um, so I want to go a word over to you on the support we've got this year and also how important a round like Members Appreciation Round is. Yeah, look, I, I remember the game you're talking about actually because I, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the first podcast we made, but I'll say it again. It would have been that game. Now, the numbers on the screen were different to, and what has been recorded were different to what was there that day. If you were there that day, you understand how low that crowd was. But yeah, it probably would have been around the 3,000, 4,000 mark there. And it was it was poor, but I looked around and I, I really took it, all and, took it all in and said, one day there's going to be 27,000, 30,000, 50,000 people who are going to say that they were there that day. You know, they were there amongst us in that really, really poor crowd because uh, they want to obviously 
be like, you know, the true fans and always be regarded as I stuck through the Titans through thick and thin. And, you know, no one is necessarily, you know, insulting the bandwagons because, to be honest with you, man, I want them to come on because it means we're going well. So, you know, choo-choo, all aboard, man. I'm happy to drive. But the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, look, we've uh, we've come a long way in regards to even though we're having a poor season, we still are able to, you know, really upgrade in regards to fan experience. I know that a lot of people will say, look, New Zealand crowd, when they had all New Zealand fans and Panthers and Broncos and whatnot really build that up. But the fact of the matter is, is that I know that there has been a lot of Titans fans in attendance this year. You know, people can insult it all they like, but there is a lot of Titans fans who do still get out to games. So, look, it's uh, it, yeah, it's always going to be the case where if you're struggling and another team's doing well, that you will get a lot of away fans that, that come in, especially on the Gold Coast, which is a very transient city. But, yeah, look, you've got to appreciate a round like this that celebrates the members and celebrates people that are willing to still stick it through and put in for this club, you know, uh, put their hard-earned cash into a club that they haven't been receiving a great deal for. But the fact of the matter is they're still here. So, yeah, it's a really important round that, that gives back to the people that matter. I love the round. And just to touch on opposition fans at our home games, I mean, with the greatest of respect to, like, Penrith, it's not really an area where people go to retire or love to live Whereas the Gold Coast is. The Gold Coast is a place where, of course, we're going to have um, lots of different fans from different areas originally in Australia that might support a different team come um, to the game. That's to be expected. It's such a beautiful area in Australia. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's that's exactly what it is. And I guess the other side of the coin is when the Titans came into the comment in 2007, a lot of people did switch from their original team or um, start supporting the Titans in the NRL. And so we do have a widespread fan base, plenty of New South Wales, Melbourne members, as we saw last weekend, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think the last thing that I'll say on that as well is that like with, you know, the Panthers as, as well, and this isn't just to kind of, you know, hurl abuse at Panthers fans here, but you've also got to remember if you were here, if you, you know, throughout the duration of our existence, you would know that Panthers fans don't usually bring a great deal of attendance to CBUS except for the last two years which very, funnily enough, coincides with their success. So it just goes to show that they never would bring any fans back in 10 years ago. Even when they would make the eight and just kind of be in and out, in and out, in and out. They were a very average team, not overly excessively bad, but like they were just a simply very average team that would go in and out from the uh, bit of a yo-yo club from the eight. They never brought any fans. And then this year, it was the same thing. You know, they just absolutely whooped us in regards to fan support. And you could even make an argument for the Warriors. Like, we'll get like a 17,000, 16,000 crowd against the Warriors. That's when they're not going well. But then obviously we get 25, 26,000 or whatever it was for when the Warriors are going well. So it just goes to show that with those teams, when they struggled, they didn't really bring a phenomenal amount. Warriors maybe a bit more, but specifically the Panthers didn't bring a phenomenal amount. Then when they got successful, that's when the whole heat came. So, uh, yeah, look, it just shows that once we get successful, man, we'll get our numbers back. We'll get our numbers from 2010 back because we had massive numbers in 2010. We were like getting 25,000 crowds every single week at, at, at Skilled Park at the time. Yeah, Skilled Park, I remember it. It was, um, it was a great time for the club. There was a lot of excitement, buzz around every game. Star players, Preston, Scotty Prince, Luke Bailey. Um, Mark Minicello might have been with us at that stage. Uh, a lot of um, stars on the coast and, and the coast got out to support it. And that's where we hope, believe and uh, trust that this club is headed at the moment. But let's uh, cast our minds back to last round in the NRLW. Let's recap that game. Of course, we did pick up another famous victory over the Dragons there, 23 to 22. Uh, one point which moves us to third on the NRL ladder. Points differential does remain our enemy at this stage, but 
As long as we keep winning, we should be fine for that top four at this stage. We did have to watch this one on my phone at Amy Park, actually. Um, so it's safe to say we were both together and very stoked when Brown kicked yet another field goal to secure victory for us. Uh, but from yourself, how do you see this game? I love it, man. I love it. We got a win when, look, I think, well, I was expecting us to win this. And we did get out to a hot start. We scored through Jamie Chapman, Jessica Elliston, and Ivania Politi, all before they could even get some points on the board. So, you know, I think we were up like 14-0 or 16-0 very early days. It's unfortunate that we allowed the Dragons to get back into it. And they actually led at one stage, 18-16, uh, going into, I think it was the last 10 minutes or so before Karina Brown ended up scoring. And they scored again right on the buzzer pretty much before we kicked a field goal to obviously win the game. But it was it was disappointing that we let them back into it. But it also showed that we have so many good signs still going forward. The Dragons were obviously at home. Uh, it was a beautiful day down there at Cogra. And they wanted it. They really desperately wanted it. Because if you go and have a look at the ladder, you know, they are really struggling. They're down there in eighth position right now. And they believe that they were a better team coming into this season than what the ladder does show. They've won the two games there with their minus 18 points differential, uh, which, you know, is actually better than our points differential, which is crazy to say. We said this last week to death. The Titans, we're, we're doing well right now. We're in the top four, but we are the equivalent in a way to the Raiders of the NRL men's, where, we're, where if we win games, we're not winning by much. And if we lose games, we're actually losing them by a decent margin, i.e. the Knights game and also the Roosters game, which is the only two teams that are above us right there. So, you know, we do sit on eight points, which is two points below the Knights and the Roosters who are tied up there. But again, it will come down to the fact that Titans are minus 20. The Roosters in first are up plus 122. So that is a 144 point gap, 142 point gap there in regards to the differential. So we can't even worry about that. And then you've got the Knights who are plus 61, which is another 80 odd that, that is better than us. You know, you go down below us, the Raiders minus 23, at least we beat them in that regards. And they're in the 8 2. The one we've really got to worry about here is the Broncos. They're sitting on six points. If we lose a game, the Broncos win. They've got a plus 49 points differential. They play the Sharkies in a big game this week. Um, but, you know, we, we play the Tigers this week. I believe we win, and we'll get into that in a second. But if we were to lose that game, the Broncos beat the Sharks, they would go above us, which is scary. Uh, it's scary. It's very scary that we can drop out. But overall, man, you know, I'll, I'll take the win, especially away from home there. Uh, hopefully our, our women's team can, can really pick it up. And you know, at least we scored some points here, because the worrying thing that I did say as well last week was that we're not scoring enough points. Roosters have scored 194 points. The Knights have scored not, uh, 156 points. The Raiders scored plus one, 121. Um, Broncos 156. Sharks 102. Tigers 106. Dragons 114. Uh, even the Cowboys at 89. So we are still in second last for points scored. So I am happy that we, we did score 23 points. That puts us onto 84 points scored for the year. The only team below us is the 74 points scored for the Eels. And they obviously haven't won a game yet. Or actually, did they win a game on the weekend? They got got one this round. Yeah, they won a game on this weekend. So, um, you know, that's the only other team, though, that, that we're above in regards to points scored. Our defense is actually pretty damn well good. We're tied for third there alongside uh, the Sharks. And second is the Knights and first is the Roosters. But, yeah, look... Still concerning signs about a few things, but you've got to maintain that positivity. We're still in the top four there. Um, hopefully we can get a big win this week and we can keep on moving and grooving. What I liked about this win was, you know, we were, we were in control of the game, then we weren't, but then we fought back. And I know that fighting back has been a key theme of our season, but it is coming under different circumstances each week. Um, and so that does give me excitement that once we do get to the finals, if something doesn't go perfectly or too script, we kind of don't drop our heads, we stay in the fight. 
Um, if you cast your mind back to our preview for this game, I did tip the 1-12 to 12 result here, and my key point was our start. I said it had to be better than previous weeks. I made a huge point of that, and it's safe to say the Titans and our W staff are listening to our podcast. No, I'm only joking. Uh, but we had three tries in the opening 20 minutes before conceding our first try in the 28th minute. Safe to say that is a brilliant start. Our goal kicking, my biggest concern from this one, one from five through Lauren Brown. But, of course, you did make up for it with the match-winning field goal. Let's stay with Lauren Brown for a moment. I said she needs to start at hooker um, because I thought we needed to start with our best possible team out there. I was wrong there. She just needed to start somewhere because she's an absolute superstar. In the halves, she started. Went really, really well there. So I want to ask you, are you happy we've kept her there moving forward this round? And do you think that could be something permanent this season? I really think that it's something that we do have to consider. Obviously, you know, when Talia Fuimaona comes back and maybe we do put Shante Kiriaratu into the seven uh, and then also, obviously, Talia Fuimaona into the five eight. Don't know there, but I thought Lauren Brown did really well in that number seven. I do think it was due to the fact that last week we were talking about the the youngster halves. You know, the fact that Sianna Lefippo and Shante Kiriaratu are both extremely young, inexperienced halves that we're not saying don't have the quality to be good, but they're both at the exact same level in their career where it really was clashing. And this was my biggest problem with this team was that not individually calling out these girls, but it's just that the, the two of the most important positions on the field were at the same level of their career and it was very seriously clashing for mine. So I thought it was a good move there by Cam Murphy to chuck her into the, the, the number seven there, Lauren Brown. Obviously, you know, she uh, she knows how to work that uh, that spinal role as it is when she's normally playing the number nine. I think Brittany Bralinati as well can obviously play that hooker. She's very well known for that. She actually played there pretty much last year, I believe. So yeah, look, obviously Sian Lafippo is still on the interchange there, but overall, I just think it provides that bit more experience. It provides a bit more of a cool head in the halves to, to help out Shantae. Uh, and you can even help out Lafippo if she got a crack there, but we are still waiting for the return of Talia Fuimoen, obviously. Uh, that has been our biggest thing pretty much this year. So it might be interesting. If we keep winning games with Lauren Brown in the seven, maybe you do just have to decide whether Shantae is out at 14 or if it's Lafippo. Um, or, you know, you put Lauren Brown back to the nine, but I do think Brittany Bellinati can, can cover that position well. So it does provide a little bit of extra splice to the team, and I liked what she did in her first game there, yeah. I hope Fumanu recovers uh, really quick. We, we need her for this home stretch, absolutely, and particularly headed into the finals. It, it would almost create like a Brimson-Campbell issue for us there, uh, where we have like two quali- or three or four quality halves that somehow has to fit into two. Um, and to go back to the inexperienced halves, I had to think about it after our last podcast. It really reminded me of these last few weeks in the NRLW. Hate to draw on a, on an NRL specific example, but it reminded me of when we had LG and Taylor for our NRL side, two halves with all the talent in the world, but just didn't have that experienced head next to them. But Lauren Brown picks up three line break assists and a try assist. Um, I think we keep it there until Fermano is recovered, and then we reassess from there. Uh, to wrap up my recap of this game, seventy-five percent completion. I said we needed it up around 80% to win this game. Close enough, I would say. We did only miss 39, uh, sorry, we did only miss 17 tackles to their 39 missed. 15 of those missed tackles, Blaze, were on one player, Tegan Berry. Only mm-hmm. two other Dragons players, their wingers, had one tackle break each. Um, so Barry was unbelievable for the Dragons. Not to take away from the Titans theme of this podcast, but you've got to give a big... Man, look, her. just, just to tries. quickly jump in here, just to jump in and say, Tegan Barry was unbelievable. You know, she was 
she absolutely tore us up, man. It was it was actually outrageous how well of a game she had. You know, she'd be actually really disappointed. She would come away from that game feeling extremely disappointed that, you know, she ran for 287 metres, four line breaks, 112, you know, fantasy points for all the fantasy players out there and had all those tries. So the point of the matter is that she would come away feeling like, how did we not win that game when I scored four tries and, and had all those line breaks and run metres? So, yeah, every time she got the ball was dangerous. It was it was scary for our Titans girls, but uh, the fact of the matter is we still got the win. We got dubbed, but uh, Fatigue and Berry, to wrap that up, that was the best NRLW performance I've ever seen in a losing side. Um, that's just an unbelievable effort by her. I've, I've just never seen something like that before, where a side misses 17 tackles and 15 of them are on one player. It's um, it's unheard of. It was a super performance by her. But look, we snapped a two-game winning streak. I don't care if we win by one or 30. We need to keep that momentum now and keep our season rolling forward. Let's jump into our NRLW three, two, ones. I'll go to you first for your three points, please. I think my three points. I'm actually going to go to Lauren Brown. I think that moving her from the position, and I know, I know who you're probably going to say for the three, but I'm actually going to go to Lauren Brown because we've moved her from a position of hooker where she's normally used to. We've put her into the seven. She's got a lot of expectations there simply because that's where our issues have really been defined throughout the season so far in those halves with those inexperienced. So you put in the experience there and she does just what she needs to do. I know she missed her conversions, but she did lead the team around the park quite nicely. Obviously, you know, she did keep the winning field goal in the end. Um, you know, had a try assist as well, had a couple of line break assists, like you said. So yeah, I think that Lauren Brown for me is going to get the three points based on the fact that she was very heavily in, uh, involved in pretty much all of our points. Yeah, we'll stay with Lauren Brown. She is my two points. Had to factor in somewhere there. One try, three line break assists, and the match winner, of course. My three points, though, did go to Jamie Chapman. She had two tries, two line break assists, six tackle breaks, and 150-plus metres. I thought she was our clear spark in attack. And why that excites me is other games it's been Politi, other games it's been um, Guthrie-Williams. So we've got these attacking weapons across the park. Jamie Chapman gets my three points. Uh, who gets your two points? My two points is going to go to Jamie Chapman. I thought this was really a big breakout game for this year, uh, specifically the Titans. We all know that she has the quality playing for New South Wales. You know, she is a, a really incredible centre, dynamic centre, attacking centre, and honestly could have got my three points for sure. It's just the, the change of position there for Lauren Brown to still go out and kill it and then to get that field goal is why I gave the three. Uh, but yeah, Jamie Chapman was incredible, you know, and, and we've been waiting for it to really pop off there. I do believe, obviously, I always maintain centres and wingers really come down to how well the halves are going to get the ball out out there to the right place. Um, so it does obviously show that, that Lauren Brown probably helped influence that quite significantly as well. Uh, but yeah, my, my two points there does have to go to Jamie Chapman. Uh, and then in regards to my one point, this is a, a, a pretty, you know, I could go quite anywhere. Uh, but I'm actually going to go to Brittany bradley Nardi, who comes into the number nine. She had the most tackles in the game for 43. Obviously, she, uh, you know, she's been coming off the bench and whatnot. I thought she killed it. I thought she absolutely killed it, man. Uh, didn't have a great deal of runs and whatnot. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that she really did help us in regards to steering the ship whilst we did have a player playing in a different position, had a couple of dummy half runs and whatnot, um, and had 92 passes. 92 passes in the game, which is very heavily, you know, very heavily involved in the game. The next best, okay, here's a good stuff here. The next best amount of passes in the team was Lauren Brown on 33. So she had 92. Take 30 from 92, 82, 72, 62. Um, 59 or 58, whatever. I'm not a mathematician. This is not BKR math over here. Um, but <laughs> the point of the matter is, is that Brittany Brownlee-Nardi was absolutely influential in this team. And uh, I really liked her in the number nine role. I love that pick. Uh, she didn't complicate her game. 
She passed well to our halves, got them early service and defended well. And that's all you can ask for from a hooker. Anything else is an extra. My one point goes to Jessica Elliston. It feels like every week I've got either Marto, Elliston, sometimes both in my three, two ones. Fantastic leaders for our forward pack. This week, Jess had 17 hit-ups for 165 metres, six tackle breaks and 21 tackles for zero misses. I was really, really impressed with her in the front row there. Let's jump into our NRLW preview. We're against the Tigers at 12.03 p.m. on Sunday. A very specific kickoff. And, of course, we are at Seabus <laughs> Super Stadium for a double header. Tigers coming to this game with a 2-4 and four record, sitting in seventh place. Their two wins this year came in rounds one and two. They were over the Eels and the Sharks. They've not won since. So they will be desperate. It's our first time playing the Tigers in the NRLW, so I want to know, how do you see this one? I think that this one should realistically be a pretty solid defining win for us this season. I think it needs to be, because the Tigers started off in a perfect situation, where they had the Eels, who obviously have incredibly struggled this year. Like, they have really, really struggled. They've only had that one win, which came over the weekend. They've only got the 74 points and have given up 174 points in total. They got, you know, gutted for talent in the offseason to other teams. And, you know, the Eels have struggled. So the Tigers were on top of the table there. And they played the Sharkies, who have been incredibly inconsistent in their first year in the competition. So the Tigers have actually dropped from where they were in first after two rounds all the way down to seventh already. And they've got a points differential of minus 14, which is, in fact, still better than the Titans women's. But the fact of the matter is I'm still more confident in what this Titans women's team can produce. The issue is, though, is that, look, we, we do score less points than them, 84 uh, to their 106, and we only give up 104 to their 120. So we are a better defense than them. Like I said, we're actually one of the better defenses in the game. It's just those points. But again, we've actually faced harder teams. Like We've, we've faced some incredibly difficult teams overall. The Roosters, are actually, did the Tigers play the Roosters yet? Do you know? I'll check that for you. Thank you, yeah. Uh, we've played the Roosters, who obviously are the favourites for this year. The Knights, who were the, the team that actually won it last year and are one of the favourites this year. You know, and, and, and even the Sharks, who were one of the favourites this year as well. But they obviously, I think they've already played each other as well. But the fact of the matter is, is that I just think that this Titans women's team is waiting for that game-defining breakout where we're going to really initiate our season because this is a must-win for us. The Raiders, they take on the Knights. You would expect the Knights to win that game. The Raiders can do us a favour. That'd be nice. No, but you would expect the Knights to win that once. We don't have to worry about the Raiders too much there. But again, we have to worry about the Broncos. So let's say the Raiders do get an upset win over the Knights and the Broncos beat the Sharkies, well, we go out of that top four. So, yeah, look, I, I, I think that this should be our game-defining, you know, our season-defining big win. I think it's must-win, particularly when you look at next week when we've got the Eels. Obviously, you don't want to have one eye into the future, but certainly we can build a win streak here as we head down the home stretch. Our common opponents with the Tigers are the Sharks. We both share a win over them. They lost by four points to the Cowboys. We've defeated them. They lost by four points to the Dragons, who we've also defeated. And the Roosters got on top of both of our sides. They beat The Roosters beat them by 38 points, actually. They, they do look the premier side at the moment. So I suppose that's to be expected for both sides. And you go through this one statistically, they are scoring more points than us, but they are conceding more also, which is the same statistic line we had last week with the Dragons. Completion rate, tackle efficiency percentage for both sides so far this season all very similar. I'm going to lean to us and give us the advantage uh, because we do have that home ground where I know you'll be there on the drums and we'll have a lot of <laughs> members there <laughs> spurring up a great atmosphere for our girls. I do think this is a very winnable game. Absolutely, I do. And I don't think our game plan needs to shift fundamentally from last week. I, I think we can literally roll out the same game plan here. Let's focus on our start, keep that completion rate up and give ourselves a great chance. 
Ivania Polite had 11 tackle breaks of 223 metres against the Dragons, and they are very similar defensively stats-wise to the Tigers. So I'm going to tip her to have another massive game. Now, I know that's not an earth-shattering uh, bold call because we know what she's capable of, but I'm going to put out an early prediction that she will be our MVP. We'll win 1-12, to 12, and, of course, Politi will score at least one for us there. That's my final prediction. What's your final prediction for this I'm one? I'm going to have to go with a... You know what? I'm going to go with what I was saying. I'm actually going to back us in for a 13-plus win here. I'm going to back Love us it. in for the, the season game-defining. But I don't even know what I'm saying. But the fact of the matter is I'm saying we're going to win, and we're going to win well. They do have some good players there, but Tilvet Walsh, who I believe was at the Eels last year, uh, Rakea Horn's also quite damaging centre there. He used to play for, I believe it was the Dragons. Uh, but the big one there is also Keziats, who plays in the back row, used to play for the Dragons. Uh, Jamie Soward would not have wanted to lose her, but obviously he did lose her. She went to the Tigers. She's a really, really good back row. But you, you go through most of these, these players on our team compared to theirs, and I just think that we're a lot more... Defined. I think Karina Brown's really been coming on and playing a little bit better uh, coming into the, in the most recent week. She was really good, actually, against the um, against the, the Dragons down there. Uh, you go into our centers, Jamie Chapman and Noel Williams Guthrie taking on Leanne Tufunga and Rakea Horn. I think that we definitely win that battle there. Uh, Politi versus Betty Walsh. I think Betty Walsh is great, but I do give that battle to Politi, as you were saying. The halves, I think Lauren Brown to the halves really does re bring it up because Pauline Pellier, uh, Rasambali, and Brooke Teller. Tina, I still think that Lauren Brown and Shante Kiriratu showed enough in that game against the Dragons, and I will give it to us there. That don't even start in the front row forwards of Shannon Martin and Jessica Ellison versus Imogen Gobrun and Christian uh, Peel. And then at number nine, Emery, uh, Brittany Brellinardi versus Ebony Pryor. I give it to our girl again. The back row is a little is very even in my opinion. Kezi Apps and Shaylee Bent are incredibly alike in my personal opinion. I think they're both the really elite players of their positions. And Zara Canfield and Eliza Salata, I think that that's a very mixed now, uh, back row there for the, for the two. And then Georgia Howell versus Nevada and George. I'm taking Georgia Howell every day of the week. So I think that we outdo them in every aspect of the field, personally. I think that we should be winning this game. If we don't, it'll be a big shock to me. So I'm going to say Titans 13 plus. And I'm actually going to say that Georgia Hale is going to be our MVP. I think that Ivania Peliti could absolutely tear it up, but I definitely think that that's a great shout. Uh, but Georgia Hale, I think that she's going to turn it on here. She's going to lead the, the women to glory. And I think that she's going to get some really good post-contact meters against the Tigers team that has been falling away of late. And of course, Georgia Hale does average the most tackles of anyone in the NRLW. So definitely a great prediction there. Let's cross across. Uh, let's go across rather to NRL. Let's recap another loss. Unfortunately, um, this one was against the Melbourne Storm. We go down to the fourth place Melbourne Storm, thirty-seven to sixteen at Amy Park. Much like the Panthers, me where they really pulled away late. They scored eighteen points from minute sixty-two onwards. So Panthers was from minute sixty-five onwards. Storm got us three minutes earlier and pulled away. Uh, but this was another close one. I thought until it wasn't. Um, we really did compete. I thought. Uh, we really did compete for a large portion of this game. It wasn't to be in the end, uh, but how did you see this one? Frustrating one, man. It was the exact same as la uh, last week. I only said last year. I guess you could argue that, but it was the exact same as last week with the Panthers. Where and if you guys watched the, the vlog on BK Sport, where Clark and I were sitting there live watching the game, and I just kept saying like, "This is the same game as last week. It's the exact same game as last week. We're competing. We're in it. We're we're firing. There's a chance." I was a little bit less confident when we were having our little stages throughout this game in Melbourne. I was less confident of a comeback as you know compared to the Panthers game the week before. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that look, the scoreline doesn't flutter us. Again, last week's scoreline didn't flutter us. This week's scoreline didn't flutter us. But it showed that we can compete and. 
I will say there were changes made throughout the team that show that Desi is implementing himself. Desi is implementing himself on the team now to see for next year what he wants to do. You know, the fact that Keanu Kinney came into that fullback was a actual Desi decision there. So the fact of the matter is, right, is that, look, I think that... Uh, that game showed, again, that we have the ability, we have the quality, we have what it takes to compete with these teams. It just comes down to that final tinkering touch from a Desi special, like you said last week. You know, or Actually, I think you said in the vlog, you know, we get to that 65 minute and then fall apart. But the fact is that after that 65 minute, maybe it just takes a Desi special to come in to, to tinker the team, to know exactly what to do in that situation, to fight the adversity of falling away late. So uh, this is more... I, I guess we've fixed ourselves from when we were just completely throwing away entire second halves. Now it's last the last 15 minutes. It's we're competing for 65, not just 40. And I, I just think it is a very similar last 15 to what we had previously with the Dolphins, the Bulldogs, the Knights, the Broncos, Rabbitohs and whatnot. Uh, where we're giving up that in that 40. So we are making progress and we are going closer, but there is still a defined gap between the, the, the us and the good teams right now. There definitely is. Our talent is there every week. Like we've got talent. We've got great moments of glimpses in almost every single game this year. And the analogy I kind of use on the vlog for those that haven't watched it yet is this might not make sense for our listeners, but certainly if you're on YouTube, you'll see what I'm, what I'm pointing <laughs> out here. If we're, when we get to that last 20 minutes, if we're, three centimetres away from victory. With our current mindset as a side, we feel like we're six centimetres away. But in reality, we're only three centimetres away. And what I think the experience and the leadership of Des Hasler will do is help fundamentally shift that mindset that, hey, lads, you're not three centimetres away, you're one centimetre away. And then once we get that try, we can get that momentum and that belief into this side, particularly in the last 18 minutes, because in this Panthers game, in the Warriors game, in the uh, Storm game, those are three top four sides, and we were near enough. We just didn't quite have that mental edge to get over the top of them, and I really think Desi can help implement that. I think Tino's a young leader who everyone respects at the club. He can really push that message across to the boys on the field in conjunction with Kieran Foran, who we know loves Des Hasler. So great signs for the future from this game. I will say results-wise on this one, I'm not too disappointed. I was at the time at the ground watching, um, but that's just because I actually did really feel we were in with a chance, and I was... Um, really just trying to hope with every bit of me that we could get across for that upset. But it was difficult for me to fully narrow in in this one. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to the footy with young uh, kids before. <laughs> my daughter was into mischief beside me the whole time. Um, my five-week-year-old son threw up on my missus halfway through. She was trying to breastfeed. So it was all happening off the field as well as on the field. Um, not to make it about me, though. Um, I did feel we were a good chance for a long time in this game. And I thought, you know, maybe... But deep down, I kind of knew that the Storm are a bit too quiet to drop here. What hurt us is we beat the Storm earlier this year and they slacked off against the Dragons. So you put those two together, they were never going to take it easy on us or give us that opportunity uh, that we all deep down really, really wanted. But look, it can be done. You, you can get these upsets. We saw the uh, the Panthers do it to Eels on Friday night. Um, but as I said, the Storm are just a different gravy. They're a quality football side. So I think we came to this one with a good intent. I thought we played good for the majority of the game, and I can't be too disappointed with that. Another boys. thing that has to be said, though, as well, is the fact that, you know, Kieran Foran, the, I think the disappointing thing out of this game was that Kieran Foran, if he's coming off with a HIA there, you have to give him a penalty. Like, it's just as simple as yeah. that. And that's what, you know, we were speaking about throughout the game. I was speaking about with Foz, you know, we were speaking at the, the post-match function and whatnot. And it's just like, if, if Foz is getting regardless of, of what's happening, right, if you're getting contact on the head, albeit soft as it was, 
fact of the matter is, is that how are you sending somebody off for a HIA for being contact, obviously contacted high, if you're not going to give them the penalty? And it was at that very moment that the storm broke away. We'd lost all direction. We were still in that game at that point. We were still in an eight-point eight game with about 15, 16 minutes to go. You take off one of our leaders in follows, you know, a guy who's happy to go up to the rev, who's happy to dig in, you know, throughout this season. His body is, <laughs> you know, he's still pushing along his body throughout all the adversity and whatnot. And he is an, an inspiration to this team to take him mm. off for HIA, which took him up for the rest of the game, and then they score immediately. We never come back from that, and that's the game over. So I think that, yeah, look, if you're going to send somebody off for a HIA for something that was, you know, a, a clear hit across the head, regardless of the soft or intent of it, the fact of the matter is, he is still contacted on the head. He is still contacted on the head. How do you send him off for HIA, which ultimately derailed a lot of our game? And let's be very clear. The medical bunker can only intervene when a medical professional has reviewed the footage and they are convinced that there has been a considerable force to the head that could have caused some form of trauma and requires an assessment. I didn't see it. I had, had if I'm absolutely honest, I love you fellas, but I didn't see it as, um, as any significant um, shot like that. But the fact <laughs> is I'm not a medical professional, right? And the medical professional has. And so when, when Tino is going to the referee and asking for clarification there and the referee is saying, no, we'll play on, forget about it. I really think we deserved an answer there. Sir, the medical professional here has said he has to go for an assessment because he believes he has copped considerable force to the head, which we know is a penalty in rugby league. Can you please tell us why that is not a penalty? And and the answer is for the referee, simply they got that one wrong, in my opinion. And it frustrates me because I don't like talking about it, but I know if we don't, then... I know other fan bases aren't going to do it for us because we're one of the smallest and I don't care. And I know some other Titans content creators online aren't going to do it. Um, so, unfortunately, guys, you might not like that we we have to go into the referees like that, but um, I'm really glad you brought it up, actually. Let's um, let's finish on a positive. Let's go into our 3-2-1s. Um, for your three points, tell me, why was it Tino? Uh, right? I, th- I think it's probably going to be Tino. I think it's probably yep. going to be Tino. Um, if it's be. not Tino, I'm probably going to go with Tino for my three points yeah. there. Uh, this man was just, you know, it was the same old, same old. 68 minutes played. Uh, and I think that was the first 68 minutes, wasn't it? Can you confirm? Oh, we'll do that for you. Yeah, I think that was the first entire 68 minutes. Like, Because we were sitting with, obviously, myself and Dane, and then we also had Rhonda to our right, and we were talking about how the fact that Tina hasn't come off yet. He's just on, he's just on, he's just on. He's just, he just wasn't coming off. So unless there was a little stint where he came off maybe in the 55th to 60th minute, I don't know, but that also kind of does correlate with the collapse. You know, we lost foreign, foreign and then Tino had to come off there because I remember he had uh, cramps and whatnot. So... Maybe that's where the collapse came from. The fact that Foran had to come for HIA, and I think we lost Tino late there due to cramps and whatnot. So, 67 so and a half minute, Tino was subbed off for Jacob Arlick. One minute and 10 seconds later, Shoppy came back on for Kieran Foran. So, we lost both of our leaders within the space of one minute. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, it's like with the Cowboys game, you go back to round two or three or whenever it was when we were up there in Townsville. I think it was round three, because first game we had Tigers at Leichhardt, second game we then had Dragons at Cogra. So no, then Storm, and then Cowboys up there in North Queensland. So, you know, I'm just trying to go through my season at this point. But um, yeah, look, Tino was incredible. But I just think that noticing that fact just then shows where our game kind of went askew from the quality we were putting in. 
But Tino, 21 runs, 218 meters, seven, had 17 kick return meters, uh, post-contact <laughs> meters of 103, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, you know, let's go have a look where we got offloads. He had two offloads there. Um, I'm just trying to look for tackles. Tackles, 30-70, had the most tackles made throughout the entirety of the game. So, you know, he did have quite a few missed tackles, but in the same sense, when you're making a lot of tackles, guys, you are going to miss tackles. Not many didn't have missed tackles. You know, BK had no missed tackles, but it had a couple of ineffective tackles. And Cleese Haas, who's been coming leaps and bounds lately, he had no missed tackles, had one ineffective tackle. Uh, Jacob Alec made three tackles for, for no miss. Obviously, only played that limited amount. Um, so, yeah, look, um, I, I've got Tino as my three. I don't think anybody could go away from that. I think it's pretty obvious. And I'm a big Tino. I don't have Cleese in my 3-2-1, but honorable mention has to go to him. He, he has improved so much recently. I don't know if you know this. He actually has an older brother called Payne Haas, um, but we know we've got a better Haas. So. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, listen, Cleese is the best Haas in the business. It's not even close. Don't even know who this other Haas is. Cleese is the best Haas in the business. I tell him this every single week. I tag him every single every time I tag him. He just laughs, reacts to it because he he just <laughs> he knows. And it's funny because <laughs> I tag Payne in it half the time as well, uh -huh. and he he laughs, reacts to it as well. So obviously they've had a little bit of a, a laugh there between the two. But Cleese the best Haas in the business. Not even a debate. Love you, Payno, but uh, you're a Haas bean and. Cleese is the next gen, baby. We got him. Sorry for my dad joke. Uh, my three points, it's Tino. You guys know it. 218 metres, 37 tackles, the most of both stats for our side. Massive against his former side, particularly when you consider they tried to sign him on a 10-year deal recently. Um, and he stayed loyal to us, and he really stuck to his former side and shown him what they missed out on. My two points goes to Chrissy Randall. He had a key try for us, five tackle breaks and 32 tackles. I love this guy. Um, I will... I will admit I stole I stole a little bit of credit from you at the the post at the members function. Um, I I believe you went to get a water or something, and you told me that it was uh, Chrissy's fiftieth, and he scored a try, and how you want to give him a big rap. I took that moment to steal your thunder, and I said congratulations on fifty at the try. I don't know if I admitted that to you on the night, but I'm admitting it now. Uh, yeah, 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 point. yeah. You're admitting it to me now when you're in Canberra and I'm on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when you couldn't be you any further away. You're closer to Antarctica <laughs> than you are to me right now. So, buddy, gee whiz, I didn't know about that, but it is what it is, man. So I actually, I didn't actually even get to have a chance to speak to Chrissy that night. So, um, at least somebody was able to uh, say it himself. He told me how rude you were and how he loved my compliments. Buddy, <laughs> joking. <laughs> Who gets your two points, though? Uh, my two points is going to go to the man who had 50 games. Chrissy Randall <laughs> is going to go to Chrissy Randall. And just remember, Chrissy, it was me who brought up the 50-game uh, marker there. Uh, but no, look, it was it was quality as always, man. You know, one try. Obviously, at first, we thought it was going to be a double movement, but it definitely wasn't. You know, he just he fell out of the tackle and got up and went again. And it's actually really intelligent work from him because a lot of players might have thought, oh, no, I am being, you know, um, tackled here. I can't get back up. A lot of, you know, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, Buffett forwards will go and just, you know, try and reach out even though it's a blatant double movement. But Chris absolutely knew that he wasn't tackled yet and still got up to go again. So, yeah, I thought that was great. Obviously, he had the tackle breaks and the tackles. And again, he has been... And I want to actually say this right now because I saw some person who... Uh, on the one of the, the fan club pages, right, on, on Facebook, I saw someone saying that... And there was a post complimenting saying that both teams won out in the Greg Marcia and Chris Randall um, 
trade. And that's true. It's absolutely factual. Greg Marcy to the Knights has been an absolute killer, but Chris Randall to the Titans has been absolutely def- like absolutely you know fundamental to our season in a lot of regards in covering multiple positions and being able to play everywhere. He's a tackle bot, he's a machine in what he does. And I had there was this one guy who just kept saying like no, Chris Randall hasn't been good and Greg Marcy um, we're really lacking out on a quality winger and Greg Marcy can change games. Like, hello, like, we're, in regards to the wing department, right, we've already got Loffy, we've already got Sammy, we, you know, we've already got heaps of guys in, in the waiting in the wings, Ken Mamalo, um, you know, Aaron Schupp can play Tony in the Francis. wing as well, um, Tony Francis, who, you know, we'll talk about a little bit in, in upcoming in this game. The fact of the matter is, is that we've got so much depth there, and Sammy's been having an incredible year, and Loffy's breaking records. So who are you getting rid of there? It doesn't make any sense. A, a winger is not going to change the direction of what this team has been doing this year. Greg Martin would have done the same thing as he's done in previous years. And it, it's just fortunate for him that the Knights have really gone to a run. But in regards to Chrissy Randall, you know, he has been so fundamental to our season. I Each week, we'll say, Chrissy Randall is in my top three because the fact is he, he implements himself so heavily into um, this team in such a quality way. So yeah, I, I'm giving it to Chrissy Randall for number two. But I also think that he is a, you know, a very, very outside shot. If we didn't have Tina or Dave, he might honestly be winning the Broughton medal. Yeah, if not, I think Chris will definitely contend for the members medal. Um, outside of that fan, I do think most fans really appreciate what Chris has been able to do for us this year. And just on the winger situation, like Lafayette Khan Pereira has 19 tries this year. A lot of those tries, Greg Marsh is not scoring because their whole length, like he's using his speed to get them. Whereas Greg's tries are more crash overs from Kalen Ponga Bruins on the inside. So no doubt Greg would be starting our set stronger than what Loffy is, but Loffy's scoring tries for us that Greg wouldn't either. And of course, then we wouldn't have Chrissy Randall playing so great for us. So both sides won. I couldn't be more happier that Chris Randall's at our club. My one point goes to AJ Brimson, two try assists and over 100 metres there at fullback. Um, we did only score uh, three tries in this one, didn't we? And AJ was involved in in, in two of them. So uh, special mention to AJ. And that one, who gets your one point? Yeah, look, I'm going to give an honourable mention to AJ because it throws another conundrum. Again, I still maintain that... It- you know, we probably should be looking to put him in the centre due to the injury uh, thing that he does have, unfortunately, with him. And have JC who's been killing it there uh, into that fullback. Uh, but with that being said, it threw another conundrum into the mix again with him coming back and being like, you know what, I am good enough to play this fullback position, which we all knew he was. Uh, but yeah, look, AJ really came in and implemented himself really, really well, which I appreciated. But my one point this week is going to go to someone who you probably wouldn't have expected to. He is a rookie. It's Tommy Weaver. I think Tommy Weaver was great. I thought he really was good, man. He did what he could. He's 100% with his kicks. Tanner, you got to watch out here, son. Tanner doesn't miss. But it looked like Tommy Weaver doesn't miss either because he's 100% from his kicks. And it was from the sideline. It wasn't like it was an easy kick by any means. Um, had nine runs for 61 run meters. Uh, 13 post contact meters. Had three tackle breaks, which is really good there for, you know, a seven. Uh, and, and, and just implementing himself really, really well. Had 42 passes in the game, which was only second to Chrissy Randall by about 14 there. Uh, so it means that he's really putting himself in it. It just looked really nice the way he was moving around the field. But also, he made 22 tackles, and I thought his defense was really, really solid. Missed three, but, you know, whatever. Like, he's a rookie coming into playing a, a team like the Panthers and a team like the Storm. And yet, you've already seen in that two-game span that he is really coming along nicely in a really, really quick time frame. So, um, yeah, also had 270 kicking meters from nine kicks, which you got to really appreciate. Had a forced dropout. 
um, had a couple of grabbers and, and bomb kicks and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, I think Tommy Weaver deserves a, a bit of a shout out there. And uh, defensively, was quite solid. Had, had a big hit in one of the Storm boys at, uh, as well at some stage. Great work by Tommy. It's always tough coming in as a rookie half against any side, let alone the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne, where they rarely lose. And he did himself um, no disfavors. He was awesome in that game. That wraps up our recap. Let's go to our host plus cut recap. We have this segment every week called Around the Grounds, where we cover reserve grade and our Titans involved. Bears, the Burley Bears, they defeat the Capras 38 to 12 and progress to the preliminary final. They will play next week's winner of the Magpies and winner Manly Seagulls, I believe. Um, they got the job done there. A key rivalry does loom next week with the Broncos feeder club, though. Um, regardless of who wins, Magpies and Seagulls are both their feeders. So um, I want to know, how did our Titans go for the Bears and any thoughts you had on the game? Yeah, look, very happy with that one. 38 to 12 winners, you know, you can't complain with that. Tony Francis will, will also speak about maybe getting a crack this weekend, depending on fitness for uh, one of our boys, uh, Jojo Fafita. Uh, but Tony Francis, one try, 184 metres, which was the most of any bear and five tackle breaks. He also had Isaac Fasul Malawi with 116 metres and 21 tackles for zero miss in 46 minutes. So, yeah, look, I thought that um, the, the Burley boys did well. Obviously, they are definitely favourites for the competition. They did obviously win the minor premiership. But South Slogan, you would have still considered as those guys, you know, the ones that could still uh, come back and haunt. And I think that it really benefits the Bears that the Sunshine Coast Falcons won't be playing with pretty much any of their Storm boys this week in a do-or-die clash against the Capras because... The Falcons, um, they look really good. You know, they beat the Dolphins 42 to 36 to get into that next week to play the Capras. They're scoring points on, uh, they're scoring a massive amount of points. But again, they're going to lose all their players because the Storm are pretty much resting all their players uh, coming into the um, coming into the the final round of the season. So Sualalvi Falongo won't be there. I don't know if Grant Anson will be there. Uh, Justin Olam isn't going to be there. He's with the Storm. I think Jaden Nikarima is coming up there. Uh, Tyron Wishart as well coming up to the Melbourne Storm. Uh, Jack Howard, I believe, as well. Chris Lewis. So the fact of the matter is that that's pretty much their entire team there that are going to be missing this week. And that was who I was seeing as looming as the biggest threat to the Bears this year. So that could really be beneficial if um, if if the Capras, who obviously we just beat quite well, uh, can knock them down, especially with it being up there in Rockhampton. And then, yeah, Winnemelly Seagulls and Magpies, as you said. Whoever wins that game, we with the Burley Bears will play. The Magpies look good, but the same sense did lose to the Brisbane Tigers there. So they've kind of had a really rocky end of the season, which is really strange. And Winnemelly Seagulls, the Bears have already put a score past them a few weeks ago. I think it was back in round 21, and it was... No, that was the... It was round 20, actually, I believe it was. It was... The Bears winning 35-6 to over the Seagulls, and that was in Winnemar, Kugari Oval as well. So, look, I think the Bears are, are running pretty hot right now. They're looking good coming into this ending of the season, into the finals and whatnot. And most of their boys will be able to play for them because, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a benefit comparatively uh, to what the Storm have done with the Falcons. So, look, I, I'm really confident the Bears are going to go well this year and, and, and win the comp. Yeah, Tyron Roberts, a former Titan, is doing a great job there for them. I think Bears would have to be premiership favourites at this point. Magpies have hit rocky form there. Um, they did lose last week to an East Tigers side, East Brisbane Tigers side that was stacked with Storm players. Where they've become so important and why Magpies couldn't drop that game is Magpies don't have any players this week. They're all at the Broncos, who are essentially resting their whole side. Whereas East Tigers got the win. They get the week off in Q Cup. All the players that won are now playing for the Storm. 
and then they'll come back next week and continue playing in, in Q Cup. So Magpies could have burnt their season out. The to remember, mate, is that they played the Capras a couple of weeks ago. And the reason why I said Rocky Form is not just because of the last game, but they also lost 18-14 to the Capras in a big game that defined the uh, the minor premiership, which actually won the Bears minor premiership with the mm. South Slogan Magpies losing that one. They did beat the Winamanly Seagulls 42-30 the last time they did play them. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Bears have just put a 38-12 clinic past the Capras and the, when the South Slogan Magpies played the Capras a couple weeks ago, they lost 18-14. So although they looked like they were the biggest threat, it seems like it's all falling apart at the, the key end of the season. Yeah, and that's why I was going to tip Magpies. Now that I've seen all the players are playing for the Broncos this week, I think we'll probably be meeting the winner Manly Seagulls next week, which um, whether that favours or not, don't think it matters too much. I think the Bears will beat anyone at this stage of the competition. They look really, really um, unstoppable at the moment. We usually have a segment at this time in the show where we review our current injury list and give an update on all of our players. Clearly unapplicable given we're in the final round. Um, as for our team list review, Maweki Fotueka returns. Uh, he was in Queensland last week for the birth of his child. Believe that's our only change there. Um, I go through our reserves. Isaac Fa'asumala'awi, Joe Vuna, Tony Francis, Josiah Pahulu, and Ken Mamalo. I want to ask you, is there any of these players that are named in our reserves now you'd like to see brought up for game day in particular? I think that, look, uh, Jojo had an injury in that game against the Storm and has had a lingering injury throughout the season. I know that desperately Jojo wants to play some footy, and I know that he can play footy. Obviously, he's going to try on the weekend against the Storm. Um, I know that he is a good quality player, but I also think that maybe he should give himself a rest through the game. And I know this is the last game of the season, but the fact of the matter is, is that don't kind of push it if you don't need to push it. And I do believe that he's a Desi kind of player. I do believe that um, you know Desi will want to implement him somewhere. Um, I don't think he's going to want to lose Jojo. I do think that our wingers next year, obviously, Phil Sami and Lafayette Camprera, but... You know, I do think Jojo just really wants to prove himself, which is fair. Uh, but look, I, I do believe that Tony Francis might come in. He might get his crack, his first uh, debut for the club in a game that realistically should be winnable. It, it, well, it is winnable. It, it's a game that we should be winning this game. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is a couple of chances there. We could see Tony Francis come in if Jojo Fafita's injury doesn't help him. Or we could see Kenny Mamalo come in as well, who's obviously been playing for the Burley Bears, who people will be wanting to watch for a while now. Isn't what, and this is the thing people forget, he's not what he was at the Warriors, right? And this isn't me, you know, putting Ken Marlowe down. He's a completely different player now, but people still have that viewpoint that it's the Ken Marlowe from the David Fusatua and Ken Marlowe days at the 2018 Warriors where they did pretty well and they were, they were dynamic, that wing pairing there. Um, Ken Marlowe obviously is a guy that we definitely can implement. But if you're going to give someone a crack, you probably still would be looking at Tony Francis there. Last game of the season, it doesn't really matter at all. The Bulldogs can't jump us now. They obviously lost that game last week as well. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think that Tony Francis could be one that we could look to, to see in that wing spot if JoJo isn't feeling up to it. I agree. Tony is the only change I want to see. For those that don't know about Tony, he's 20 years old. Been with us for a few years now. He's eligible for Lebanon and for Mate Martonga. He's played 40 games at reserve grade level scoring 31 tries. This year, he's appeared 20 times for 17 tries. He has made 19 line breaks, 71 tackle breaks, and he is averaging 154 metres. And this Bears side's running hot. Like, he's only lost four games all year, so he is bringing a winning mentality into our side. Um, I, I, I just think if JoJo's not 100%, it's not, it's not that we're risking him, but it's like, why play if you're not 100% up to it in... Uh, a members appreciation round where we all really, really want to get a win here. 
Um, and it's not to say that Tony France would be leapfrogging JoJo into the equations for next year or anything like that. Uh, we're all one team here. And I think that Tony Francis has earned it. I think you look at his stats this year in Q Cup, very similar to Khan uh, Pereira's last year. I think he's earned it. He's on a break this week anyway, given they won and they've advanced to the prelims and host plus cup. So, yeah, I'd like to see uh, Tony get a chance for us in his debut. Let's jump into the game. We're against the Bulldogs this Sunday at 2 p.m. at Seabus Super Stadium. Neither side can play finals, of course. We sit in 13th with eight wins. Dogs sit in 15th with seven wins. I don't know about you, but just hearing the fact that we are within one win of the Bulldogs this year, it makes me disappointed, man. Like, I truly believe we are in such a higher category than the Bulldogs who have had a shocking season when nothing's gone right for them. To hear that we only have one more win than them not only surprises me, kind of hurts as well. Um, but no one cares how I feel. They never have. I live a pretty sad life of desperation. <laughs> I cry myself to sleep most nights. So how do you see this game? Ah, oh, man, I've cried myself to sleep every night for the especially <laughs> this year. Um, but no, yeah, I know the feeling, man. You know, we we are like don't ask Emilio the Savage what his thoughts are with those because he thinks they've got a team list that are gonna win the premiership when I look at the team list and, and realistically we should be putting a score on this team. Like I'll be completely honest with you, dogs fans will hate me. Well guess what? This is a revenge game for me. This is a revenge game for me, because I got absolutely full on abused by dogs fans when I was down there at the dogs game at a core and obviously they got what they wanted with a try in the last seconds through Jaden Ockenball, you know, which tells me tells me a lot there. So I want to win this game badly. You know, I'm I'm I don't care about the ladder because again, the the dogs here can't jump us. I don't care about that. I, I just want this revenge for, for, for what happened down there and also for the fact that it was just an embarrassing loss to a team that just isn't anywhere like their fans overrate their team. They really do. I know that we can get a little bit too hyped about our team, you know, uh, going into a season. But we're also very realistic throughout the year that, look, it might not just not be going to plan. And we kind of go back into our little hermit holes where we're just like, oh, here we go again. You know, same old Gold Coast, you know what I'm saying? So, unfortunately, it's just the noise there of dogs. But, yeah, Titans should be winning this game. We, we, we should be winning this game. Um, Toby Sexton, I'm coming for you, my boy. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Toby. And he knows it, too. <laughs> he knows it. Good old Toby Sexy Sexton, son. He was at the Gold Coast, now he's at the Dogs. Well, guess what, baby? I'm going to be in your ear on Sunday. He's a good friend of mine, guys, so don't think that it's anything too deep. But uh, he's going to have to feel the uh, how, how it would have felt for... Uh, people like Zachy Lomax, players <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I want to win this game. I want to win this game, not only for the personal reasons, but I also just want to finish the season on the high, which we're usually good for, man. We usually we do win games at the back end of the year, and we do you know finish off strongly. So although we've had a really tough schedule, Warriors, Panthers, uh, Storm, and the likes, this is a winnable game, and apparently we're heavy favourites for this as well, which is quite strange. But to be fair, if you have to think about it as well, you know our pl- our, our, our boys have been really in the game for 65 minutes against the best teams in the competition. Like you said, Panthers, Warriors, Storm, we competed for the heavy majority of those games. So I can see why we're heavy favourites in this game, and I believe we should we should kill them. We should kill them. When I saw we had the Bulldogs this week, to be like completely transparent, I was considering a bet on our side in the magnitude of thousands. I was so confident. I'm sorry. I, I, I know you're talking right now, bro, but i gotta I got to interrupt here. Even if we were undefeated after 26 rounds and we were playing a full-strength team against a completely weakened Tigers team, 
through all the years of being a Titans fan, I still don't know if I could put a heavy bet on this team. Like, I love them. I'm very weak. I'm passionate. I'm dedicated. Mm. But, man, you got some balls to put... <laughs> you got some balls, man. Man, I was ready to go. I was going to go in and buy a new watch this weekend, and I was ready to make it too. But there's just no value on us. The bookies believe we should win this game. Um, On to the game itself specifically. I don't want to sugarcoat this at all. It is our final game. It is members' appreciation round. And there has been some awesome effort in recent weeks. But we have lost six of our last seven. Our last win was in round 17. We nah. need a win to finish our year. Nah, well, no way. Cowboys. Sorry, you're right. We did, we, you, you are right. Cowboys win was awesome. It gave us all a lot of joy, as did the Broncos win. But they're two games and there's a lot of losses in between there. Now, it is members' appreciation round. I've said it a few times now, but I really think this is an important round. I would never suggest as fans we're entitled to anything from the club or players, but a win here would be a really, really great way to finish the Holbrook slash Lanahan era and just get us excited looking forward to the Desi Hasler era. A nice little salute to the Titans fans. Sorry this year didn't go as you thought it might, um, but we're ready to go again next year. 2022, we beat the Warriors in the final round by a field goal. Year before that, we beat them 44-0 at home. And 2020, we beat the Knights 36 to 6. So our final record has been really good in the last three years there. Our round 12 loss to the Bulldogs, 20 to 18. Unacceptable. It was unacceptable. On form, we shouldn't have lost that game. And on form, we shouldn't be losing this one. We're fortunate we have a chance to correct that. We do average four more points per game than the Bulldogs, and we do complete roughly 5% higher. We also average six more tackle breaks per game, and we miss four less tackles per game on average. Where I'm getting at, every single stat is in our favor here. The betting market's in our favor. Mental edge-wise, it's in our favor. They're in turmoil. They're in the media for all the wrong reasons. They got eight players wanting to walk out that became four players. It's now no players. They don't even know who wants to be there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We've got this mental edge, and we need to win this game. They average the least amount of tackle breaks of any side in this competition, and they average the most missed tackles. They don't break tackles, and they miss a lot. Where I'm getting at, we need to win this game. We can't lose this game. We can't. If we lose this game, I genuinely I, I genuinely think I could cry. We can't lose this game, Blaze. We just can't. And I am wary of Toby Sexton. I am wary. He comes in and has a really strong game I'll and kind of says... Don't, don't you worry. I'll deal, deal with him, him mate. I'll, I'll deal with the big types. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> From a perspective of Toby, I'm sure he'd love to come back and give a, a bit of a stick it to the club management. You know, you didn't think I was the next the next halfback at this club, um, and he, he could have a very strong game. But outside of that, and maybe some Matt Burton brilliance, I can't see how the dogs win here. I believe we win 13 plus. I'm prepared to put that as high as 20 plus. We should be running over the Bulldogs here and just thumping them. There should be no competition with where their club's currently at. My final prediction, Titans 13 plus. But if you want my real prediction, Titans 20 plus. And if this age is poorly, I'll be very upset with our club. We've got to win this one, boys. <laughs> we can win it. Go the Titans. What's your final prediction for this one? Back in. I want to go over a couple of points he made just then as well before I do give my prediction yeah, here. Is that I think that it was really uh, what you said about like this is the last game to really kind of salute off the, the Jimmy Lenahan, Justin Hogwarts era. 
uh, because obviously this is still a season where we had Justin as at the helm, you know, about ten odd weeks ago or eight weeks ago, whatever it was. Now, so this this is the last game of this era, and we do move forward with Desi Hasler going into next year. So yeah, I think that if for people who are going to the game this weekend, you know, just look around and just kind of embrace the the, the transitioning of the club and transitioning of what we were to what we're now going to be trying to achieve in comparison with the, the different styles and the different coaches and whatnot. Do just take a look around and kind of just embrace what we have and then move forward going into the new year and just kind of remember it, but also let's recognize the future. Uh, I also think that, yeah, look, the dogs have got a lot of problems right now. They've got a lot of problems. And I said on a comment, I think it was on your page actually on Insta, where I said, look, the Dogs and the Rabbitohs are getting slammed right now. They are both getting slammed. It's specifically the Rabbitohs, but the Dogs definitely are as well. Um, I, I, I feel for their fans. I do. Not the fans that were at a core that day, um, but everybody <laughs> else. You know, I feel for you uh, because I, we know how it feels. You know, we've had the Tino and Dave situation this year. We've had the Justin Holbrook, Desi Hasler situation, the Ben Hunt saga, the second half fade outs that your team benefited from. Um, you know, like we've we've had all these situations this year that we've been slammed to the media for. Uh, but you know, I, I believe we should put a score past your team this week because I believe that we've been going tip for tap with the best recently. I think that we are a lot closer to being a successful team right now than you are, and that's not meaning to disrespect the club as a whole because. I think Dogs fans are incredibly passionate. Again, not the fans that are at a core, um, but I, I think Dogs fans are incredibly passionate. But I do think that on paper, and due to the, what's been going on recently, and due to our recent results, I believe that the Titans should be winning this game, winning well. I will say Titans 13+. Plus, and if I'm going to go an MVP from this game, I'm going to say that... I'm going to go and say it's Tommy Weaver. I'm going to say it's Tommy yeah, Weaver. You know why? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just think Tommy Weaver. You know, he's got up against Tobes. You know, a guy that he played with at Tweed. Uh, Tommy Weaver was the six. Toby Sexton was the seven. They know each other very, very, very well. And I just think that Tommy Weaver is going to prove himself here and prove why he should be the seven. Like, obviously, we've got Tanner there. And, you know, we can't forget Tanner right now. I know a lot of people hate on Tanner and whatnot. But I just think Tommy Weaver is going to explode in this game. And I think he's going to do really well with Kieran Foran at home um, in, in a game that is winnable. And we're going to see what kind of talent Tommy Weaver does possess there. So I'm looking forward to a Tommy Weaver spectacular. I completely agree. Man. He has played with Toby. They're mates. But there's also that genuine, I want to beat you. We were Haas partners early this year in reserve grade level. Now we're both trying to make our name in the big grade. And for Tommy Weaver, let's say his first two games against the Panthers and Storm, if he was good in those, which most fans would agree, he's going to be great against the Bulldogs, in my opinion, not to add too much pressure to him. Before we get to the Q&A, I just want to say as well is that the weird thing, right, with sport and professional sport and and obviously our team is that when they're playing at Tweed and Tommy Weaver and Toby Sexton, ultimately their mates... They love each other. They go with each other. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they're competing with each other. And it's they're competing with each other for a spot on the Titans when they were here. And Toby obviously got that crack, but Tommy always knew that he would have to overtake Toby to get to that spot. So this is a very big battle of the sevens in this game because Toby was ours, Tommy is ours, and they both played with Tweed this season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that I think to- Tommy is going to, to come out of the top of Tobes in this game. And I think we're going to absolutely slap it. So let's slap down a Q&A, but we're going to slap the doggies this week. No more woof woof here, son. Don't you worry. I'll be dealing with Tobes this week. <laughs> oh, I actually look forward to it. I believe I'll be able to hear that through the television. Um, this is our first Q&A, uh, our first question from the Q&A, rather, kind of fits straight into our, our preview there. 
Um, it comes from Lou and Lars, and they said, do you really believe Titan should be $1.30 phase versus the dogs? I'm going to say yes for all the same reasons in my recap. Statistically, we average more, we concede less, we create more opportunities, we've got more wins, we're higher on the ladder, we're in better form. And, you know, you just break this game down across the park, you break down both rosters. I think the easiest way to answer that question actually is just to say, if you don't agree with that market or that betting price, where are the dogs better than the Titans right now? I, I can't see a single area. So, yes, I, I do think we probably do deserve to be that uh, that betting price, although I'm not going to take it. Um, how do you see that? Or how, how would you answer that question, rather? Based off of name alone, maybe you would say that on a pure hooker basis, Reed Marnie should be beating out Chrissy Randall. Uh, but I don't, like, personally, I think Chrissy Randall is incredible in what he does. And I think that just other people around the NRL won't understand how quality he is. I know we definitely win the back row battle. Uh, Cleese Haas and Dave Fafita beats Viliami Kikau and Corey Waddell. Uh, the lock, Tina Malawi beats out Maxi King, who is another ex-player of ours, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, you go to the front row forwards, Jimmy Jolliffe and Maleki Fodawaka taking on Luke Thompson and Liam Knight. I'm telling you, we, we win that battle there. In regards to the halves of Kieran Foran, Tommy Weaver, Matt Burton, Tommy Sexton, it's a bit of a wash, actually. But I think that the experience of Kieran Foran really helps that. However... If you want to go with a wash, I'm okay with that inexperience, but also, yeah, there's, that's a wash. Uh, but then you go to the wings. You know, Lofi and Jojo versus Adokar and, and Blake Wilson. Adokar really does, you know, have a big name about himself, but I think as a duo, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that as a duo, you've got Jojo and Lofi as, as the guys. And even if you don't have Jojo, we give Tony. If Tony Francis comes in, then I would give that battle to the, the increase of Adokar. But I just think that Adokar and Lofi and Adokar Pereira are actually very similar, are very similar players in a lot of ways. And I think that Lofty does have a ceiling as high as what Adokar has achieved. Then you've got Brian Kelly and Aaron Short versus Jake Avrilo and Paul Amotti. I give that to our boys. I give it to our boys. Then you've got the fullback of AJ Brimdog Millionaire versus Hayes Perham. And if you, even if you wanted to put Keanu Kinney in, I still believe Keanu Kinney is better than Hayes Perham, personally. Absolutely. So I do think that $1.30 is, is, is fine. I think $1.30 is fine. And the question, just a fun fact for everyone, the question that's come from here from Lou and Lars, I know he's a Bulldogs fan, so they're obviously just trying to say, like, you know, we, we shouldn't be like this. But I think that you can understand it. I think you can understand that you look at the team list as as Clark has gone over. It realistically should be a win here for the Titans. I know the Titans have had hard hard season this year, but look at the results. The results have been a lot closer than what the Dogs have, or for sixty five minutes they've been a lot closer than what the Dogs have. So, regardless, when or lose, you can't jump us. And I just think, and it's at our home in our members round with our women's playing beforehand, mm-hmm. with our women's probably winning beforehand. And then it's the last game of the season. So I think that we win, and I think we win well. We compete well for 65 minutes. They lose by 66 nil to the Knights. Statistically, we are 11 and 11 against them. You had to do that. I had to to violate them. Uh, But whoever wins this, we are 11 and 11 in in our histories as clubs. So whoever wins this will take the winning margin. The only stat they've got over us that I could find while you were talking is they've got two wins over us recently, once in 2022 and earlier this year by a 10-point margin and a two-point margin. But... That's you're picking at straws there. If that's the reason you're tipping them, that's for sure. Our next question comes from Aiden Photographs, and he says, Thoughts of JoJo uh, put on the wing instead of Tony Francis? Um, for me, I think we've already touched on this. I do think Tony Francis should come in. It's not a sign of disrespect to JoJo, it's just that our season is already coming to a conclusion. If JoJo's not 100%, why not give a young kid who's worked hard all year the ultimate reward in his NRL debut? 
that's my thoughts on the situation. Your thoughts on it? I don't think that I really need to, to talk too much more about it. We've, yeah. As you said, we've covered it already throughout the podcast. And again, yeah, if, if JoJo's injured, give Tony a crack. I mean, I'm happy either way, uh, but I just I would love to see what Tony could produce, yeah. And our final question this week comes from XShar4 on Instagram, and they said, it's not podcast related, but what BBL team do you follow? I'll go to you first. Ah, well, <laughs> you know, they did well last year, man, but it is Brisbane, you know. if I will say, though, with the Gold Coast, if we had a Gold Coast team, which I believe is potentially happening, um, I will be a Gold Coast whatever fan uh, and, and get to Metricon to support the team. For the time being, I'm a Brisbane Heat fan. Um, I'm not, like, heavily, heavily involved in the BBL. I do stream it on BKR Sport YouTube, obviously, when the games are on at the end of this year. But I'm not, like, desperately, you know, I'm not going to be having a reaction like I had with the Dolphins-Titans game this year uh, there at Suncorp. I'm not going to be having that kind of reaction if we lose. Again, I want us to win. I want the Brisbane Heat to win. But at the end of the day, it's kind of a summer sport, man. I've got many sports around the world that I watch. I watch NFL. It's starting up very soon. I've got the Premier League that's already cracking on. You know, NBA starting off soon. You know, I've still got baseball on for my cubbies. So uh, there's a lot that goes on. Then you've got the BBL. You've got the international cricket at that time. There's just still so much that goes on. So yeah, look, Brisbane Heat, but I'm not that heavily invest- invested unless it's a Gold Coast team. I think for me on the, on the sports scale, if rugby league's a 10 out of 10, which it is, UFC is probably my only other, or MMA, mixed martial arts, probably my only 10, uh, other 10 out of 10 sport. BBL for me is a 8 out of 10. I do watch most games unless I've got something else on, and I am a Brisbane Heat fan as well. Uh, But I do completely agree with you. I do love the Heat, but it's just that Brisbane connotation where that's my nearest club from where I grew up, and I used to go to all their games at the Gabba, so I do go for them. But I would jump ship. If a Titans – if a Titans – sorry, Titans – if a Gold Coast – Maybe we could make our own BBL team, football team. Who knows? But if the Gold Coast side was to enter the BBL as part of their expansion, where you know they could go to Canberra, um, they could go to the Gold Coast, etc., then I would jump ship. In the same way, I was an Eels fan. I jump ship to the Titans. Um, I'm from the Gold Coast. I love the Gold Coast. That's my my place, my community. I was born at Southport Hospital, and I'm Gold Coast through and through, baby. But do go for the Heat. Um, go the Titans. <laughs> That's the bottom line, baby. Why it's got I nothing so to do with your question. What 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 happened just then? <laughs> Why did it, it did, were you waiting for me to say something or something? <laughs> no, I just, I just had an epiphany of how much I love the Gold Coast. Oh, I'm going to double down on this right now and say, yeah. look, I, yeah, look, the Gold Coast is the greatest place to live in the country. You know, I, I, I know people from other places in the in this country will say that their place is the best, but and, and I know I'm from the Gold Coast, but in the same sense, there's a reason why everyone comes here to holiday. There's a reason why, and, and then people say, oh, it's just a holiday town. Well, look, that's because you see it that way, but you come here, you love your life and go back. Well, guess what? I live here, I love my life, and I don't have to go back nowhere. I stay here. So although, and this is why my banter involves a lot at games when, you know, you've got people like Penrith fans having a cracker yard, or you've got Parramatta fans, or um, even to an extent Bulldogs fans, you're like, you know, your team can be good, but <laughs> we live in a better area. And it's like, I know that you guys, all these different places have, um, you know, hardworking people and, and lovely people the same. The fact of the matter is, is that it's just not as good to live as the Gold Coast. So regardless of how the team's going, just be proud of where you're from. And at the end of the day, when we when we are quality and we do win the premiership, 
Not only are we going to have the best NRL team in the country, but the best place to live, and we're going to win everything. So thanks for coming. That's what I have to say. Go to Gold Coast, Brisbane, get out of here. Ray White, Rabino website. Top 11 reasons to live on the Gold Coast. They've got <laughs> beach, accommodation, community spirit, activities, shopping, family living, weekend excursions, eating out, clubs, events, and boating. Ray White, I will give you reason 12. And that is the mighty Gold Coast Titans. Let's go, boys and girls, this week. Let's get a huge win. Go the Titans. Women, 1 to 12. We'll take 13 plus. Men, 20. 20 plus. <laughs> go the Titans. That's all from me, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in to our, I believe it will be our final review slash recap regular podcast for the year. We may be coming out with some other future. Stay tuned to our, uh, some other content in the future. Rather, Stay tuned to our social media for that as we plan to navigate the off season. But from myself, just want to say thank you to everyone who has been with us for not only this this journey, but really kickstarting off this podcast and entering a space where there hasn't traditionally been a Titans podcast like this. So we're really proud to be in front of you every week doing this and it is members appreciation round. So I want to say to my co-host, um, thank you very much to all your efforts throughout the week. Um, on behalf of Titans fans, we appreciate you being at every single ground and giving us that representation there. Um, we appreciate everything you do for the club, mate. So that's all from me. Thank you very much to listeners and over to you to say farewell. Yeah, look, it's been a long year, but we keep cracking on, like I keep saying. We keep cracking on, man. You just got to keep on uh, putting yourself into a positive mindset, regardless of, you know, everything that goes down. You still just have to keep yourself in a positive mindset. Uh, look, I think that, guys, get out to the game this weekend. And also, I must say as well, we have a doublehead on the Gold Coast next week. I didn't realize this until the Melbourne game on the weekend. But we also have a women's doubleheader next week at Seabus Super Stadium on Sunday. So do get out there. You know, we're going to sit in the front line, bang on the drums, getting crazy next Sunday. There's an elimination final in the NRL on that day. No Titans men's, obviously. Our season will have been done. So get out there. Beautiful day. I think we take on the Parramatta Eels, which should be hopefully a good win for us, considering their season so far. Uh, and, and cheer on the girls. I think the Tigers play in the pregame as well. And the first game beforehand. Um, so that's next Sunday. Obviously, this Sunday, as we said, members round, get out there, get amongst the drums, get amongst the front line, get amongst everyone. And just, like I said, take a look around and just embrace what we have now, moving on into the future, man. So, look, hopefully a big win coming up this week, end the season on a high, and the women's team just keeps on going on and keeps into those finals, and, and we keep getting some uh, some enjoyment through that. And then hopefully, as we were talking about, we get a BBL team on the Gold Coast and maybe an A-League team. You know what? Just let's get every sport onto the Gold Coast to represent this great city. But we appreciate you. If you're on YouTube, like subscribe if you're on spotify apple we appreciate you as always and thank you for listening and uh toby sex i'm coming for you son <laughs> i'm coming for you toby son i'm coming for you go to gold coast get up and out